Mm. I think this is the best Kentucky Fried Chicken I ever had. But I guess it's fresher down here, right? I don't think I've ever met anyone with your appetite. No. I got the bucket so you could have some. I've never had fried chicken in my life. You people love the fried chicken, the grits and the colored greens. I love it, too. Negro cooks used to make it all the time when I was in the Army. You have a very narrow assessment of me, Tony. Yeah, right? I'm good. No, no, you're not good. You're bad. I'm saying just because other Negroes enjoy certain types of music, it doesn't mean I have to, nor do we all eat the same kind of food. Who? Wait a minute. If you said all guineas like pizza and spaghetti and meatballs, I'm not gonna get assaulted. You're missing the point for you to make the assumption that every Negro... Hey, you want some or not? No. Hey, come on. Tell me that don't smell good. It, huh? It smells okay. I prefer not to get grease on my blanket. Ooh, I'm gonna get grease on my blanket. Come on, have a piece. It ain't gonna kill you. Come on, take it, eat it. No. Take it. I'm throwing it in the back. You, don't you dare. Then you better take it. How do you have plates or utensils. But fungo, eat it with your hands. That's how you're supposed to. I can't do that. Eat it. Come on, take it, take it, take it. I got drive. Ten and two on the wheel. Come on. Me. Take it, take it, take it. Come on, come on. Here you go. Huh? I, I can't do this, Tony. Eat the damn thing. What, no good? Hmm. It just seems so un unsanitary. Just relax and enjoy it. You know, my father used to say, whatever you do, do it 100%. When you work, work. When you laugh, laugh. When you eat, eat like it's your last meal. You want another piece? Here, have a breast. Delicious. What do we do about the bones? We do this. Everybody, this is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that scene from the movie Green Book because uh, I liked it. You know, uh, Don and I went and saw it last weekend. Hey, you know, I heard I heard one of my employees said, "Hey, he saw it and he saw it, thought it was pretty good." Back before anybody knew what it was, you know, we we get to the office in the, on Mondays. Hey, what'd you do the weekend? Oh, I went to the movies. What'd you see? And we compare notes. And uh, I had never even heard of the Green Book, and apparently it won, won Best Picture, which means nothing because there's no there's no rhyme or reason about a good movie when it comes to the Academy Awards. It's all political stuff. But, and I know, and I could tell you from seeing this movie, it's all because of the race thing in this movie. It's all because of the race thing. And you know what I say? You know, I've never seen a movie that I really enjoyed that was about a, a white guy and a black guy becoming friends. Uh, oh, except for about a hundred million of them. Uh, but you know, uh, I think I think to hey, how about remember the Titans? Remember the Titans didn't have any gay scenes in it, and it did. And it was you know, of course, it was made by Disney. But you know, it had it was great. It was inspirational. It was just as intense. It had football in it instead of music, and no gay scenes. And uh, we went and saw this, and I, and I look back, and I go, you know what? They have one little gay scene in it, and I go. And I go, you know, was that necessary to the story? I'm going to Google it. I Google the the real uh, Dr. Don Shirley, and there's no real polit no real definitive answer. Was he really gay? He was. He kept it to himself. And when people asked him 
according to what I read, said if you'd ask him, hey, are you, are, are you gay? He said, why, why do you ask? Are you interested? And he would never, no one ever knew for sure. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff that they say, hey, you know, the, some of his family says this part wasn't accurate and this wasn't accurate. Well, if they, if they, if they change other parts, they could have changed this part. I don't, I just don't see where the, where the, in, the, where the importance was of that one gay scene. And uh, I don't think I've talked about the movie Cold Pursuit with Liam Neeson that we saw two weeks earlier and the same thing. Hey, the whole movie, it was a good movie and it was funny and it was, uh, it's kind of a dark comedy. And, uh, but there's one scene with two guys kissing. Was that necessary? Absolutely not. You know, it's, it's, it, hey, call me, call me uh, old school guy. Call me a redneck. I don't know. But I just don't see the need to expose this kind of stuff in every single movie that's out there. And, uh, I just, it's, it's scary. It's scary to me. And you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on in this country is scary to me. Um, but I'm going to talk about a lot of it today, but before I do, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of wholesale capital corporation, your local direct mortgage lender located here in Southern California, lending all over the country. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are fantastic opportunities right now, rates are down as about as low as they've been in, uh, in, in probably the last year. And, uh, and the, the people shopping for houses is, you know, it seems like it's starting to heat up a little bit, but it's still a buyer's market. It's turned to a buyer's market. So if you want to go, if you're thinking about it, go write an offer, find uh, find some stuff, write an offer and ask the seller to pay your cost. Um, if it's been on the market for a while and hasn't been any, any price reductions, make a, make a lower than full price offer. Opportunities out there. If you're thinking about it, don't miss it. Don't miss it. There's great, 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 uh, great deals to be had. Um, and if you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're calling from work and you don't want your neighbors to know uh, your stuff and you don't want your boss to know you're stealing time from him. Wait for your uh, government-mandated 15-minute coffee break or your uh, government-mandated one hour of lunch break and make sure you take it before uh, you get to five and a half hours, I think is the rule, um, uh, at work. And go on WCCLoans.com, www.WCCLoans.com. Click on looking for a loan. Click on apply now. Uh, tell me how much information you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back from me. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Alex Rojas, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Randy Johnson. Um, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you're looking to buy a new house to live in, buy a new house to rent, to rent out as an investment, buy a vacation home, looking to buy a house to live in and rent your old house. If you're looking for a reverse mortgage to, uh, to make your house payments go away, if you're over 62, Hey, uh, you, uh, seniors, if you've heard about this, you're not deeding your house to the bank. You still own the house. Okay. If you're interested in that, call me or go to wccloans.com. Okay. Uh, if you hear something on the, on the show, you want repeated, you can get the podcast at edhoffman.net, E D H O F F M A N. 
Net. Click on the podcast page and you can get uh, this week's shows weather as well as several several past shows. You can also uh, get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can go on and uh, uh, download at your uh, on-demand and you can also have it automatically download. You can subscribe. It's free and uh, have it download to your phone or your computer or your iPod, your iPad, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your iWatch. Whatever, uh, you probably get it on your Android and all that stuff uh, with uh, with no issues, and uh, you can hear it anytime you want. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. Uh, I like it when you comment on them, so I know somebody's getting it, because uh, like I said last week, you know, why? how come Twitter hasn't blocked me? Well, I don't know that they haven't, except for if you guys comment on it. Um, so, uh, and the Facebook page is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Lastly, if I say something you want to make a comment on, whether it, uh, makes you mad or makes you happy, uh, either way, uh, call the recorded, uh, the recorded line listener hotline, 855-640-2092. If I've got some extra spot, extra space in one of my shows, I may play your comments. Or if you're really, really that, uh, that intriguing or creative, as long as you're not using creative four-letter words, I'll play you on the radio. So uh, let's talk about what's going on this week. So uh, as the Democrats continue to claim there's only a manufactured crisis at the border, dreamed up by Trump and the Republicans, U.S. Customs and Border Protections released hard data this week that proves otherwise. Some of the startling facts from their report are... Apprehensions of migrants along the nation's southern border are the highest they've been in 12 years. Families crossing the border have increased by 300% in the past year. 300%. Families and unaccompanied children accounted for 60% of all apprehensions since October 1st. From October 1st through to February 20th, hey, let's just, let's just talk about one of these. You know, it's increased 300%. Why? Because we have so much attention to the fact that um, the Democrats want to keep the borders open and Trump wants to close it. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me repeat that. That Trump and the Republicans and the rest of the and the rest of the country want to close want to close the border. So uh, you know that's that's creating attention. They're saying, hey, we better get get up there before they close the border. From October 1st to February 28th, the Border Patrol officers have apprehended 268,000 migrants who entered the United States without legal authorization. Let's see: October, November, December. January, February, that's five months, 268,000 in five months. You know, what's funny is uh, back in the 90s, they said there was 11 million illegal immigrants in our country. And at 500, at 268,000, that's 500,000 per year based on the, this pace. But it's been like 20 years since, 20 years since, uh, 24 years since the last, uh, since they said 11 million. And they still say 11 million. I bet you it's more like 30 million. Uh, more than 76,000 entered in, entered in February alone. This is more than double, double the number who entered in February 2018. When Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen testified before the House Committee on Homeland Security on Wednesday, Democrats on the committee completely ignored these facts, choosing instead to focus on the same old question about Nielsen's role in carrying out the president's zero-tolerance policy, also known as the law. Were you aware that the zero tolerance policy would lead to minors being separated from their parents, yes or no? 
as we increase consequences for those who break the law, just as yes, everywhere. Look, I have such limited time, Madam Secretary. Okay. I'm sure you can appreciate that. As a, as a consequence for a yes, parent no. going to jail, we in this country do not take the children to jail. Okay. So I take that as a yes, that you understood that the zero tolerance policy was going to lead to minors being separated from their parents. As it has in the last three administrations. Yes. Okay. So the answer is yes. Okay. So there's a lot of fast talk in there. In, the, in this comment, what you, what you need to pay attention to is when Kirsten Nielsen says, when people in this country break the law, we do not take, we do not send their children to jail with the parents. So there's no difference. Somehow the Democrats think there's, there's something beside, there, there's, there should be different laws for people that are here versus people that, people that are here, born here, that have a right to be here, that are legal here, that are American citizens. Versus people that just want to come here, they should have they should have more rights than the people here. If that does if that doesn't if that's not clear to you, you guys need to open your eyes, pay attention. Okay, so um, the other thing the other thing that I that I notice in in this uh, hearing as they watch it, do you notice the new you know you notice how how the Democrats, they get together and they have a, they have a huddle like a football game and they talk about the talking points they're going to talk about this week. And they, and they plan this out and you see this common, common through all of them because they're all doing the, they're all doing the same thing. And you know, so, well, I'm out of, I'm, I have very limited time, Madam Secretary, please, Madam, you know, it's just yes or no. We don't want to hear any f complete questions. They want to, they want to ask questions. Just, just, say, just say yes or no, just say yes or no. And you heard that through many of the last hearings on just about everything. Just say yes or no. I don't want to hear. We know when they're trying to get uh, uh, Bill Barr asking him questions about uh, uh, in his confirmation hearing for uh, for to be attorney general. Oh, just say yes or no. And they, hey, you know what? It's not a yes or no question. It's not a yes or no question. You know, governing governing is uh, is uh, is prioritizing. Governing is 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 interpretation. There's just not yes or no. There has to be some thought process. That's why it's important who we elect to these offices. So anyway, um, let's go on. Let's go on. Uh, Sheila Jackson Lee is worried more about some non-existent oath Nielsen didn't, didn't make to the president than the actual crisis. Can you independently make a decision in contrary to the president of the United States on behalf of the American people for what is best for them? I take my oath with utmost uh, extreme importance. I always do my best. Is that your oath to the American people, your oath to the President of the United States? No, man. The oath, as you know, is to the Constitution and the people. They've given him all the facts from the men and women working at the border. By my read of it, it is an emergency. It is a dual crisis. And if there have been any memos that you've directed to the President that would have given him the basis of calling for, uh, in my opinion, a false emergency declaration, I will not judge your data if you're giving facts, then I I would like that to be submitted to this committee. Yeah, she don't care about, you know, in my opinion, it's it's not an emergency. Uh, you know, I disagree with your assessment. I don't believe it's an emergency. You know, figures don't lie, though. But liars do figure. This was this was all after Nielsen read her opening statement where she did, where she said some facts that should appeal to Democrats who supposedly care about women and children. Today's migrant flows have created a humanitarian catastrophe. In one study, more than 30% of women reported sexual assault along the way, and 70% of all migrants reported experiencing violence. 
Very unfortunately, because of the increase in violence at ICE, when we have families with children, we have to give every girl a pregnancy test over 10. This is not a safe journey. Did you hear that? The violence, 30% of the, of the women that come across uh, have, been, have been sexually attacked on their journey. And they have to, and they have to give, give pregnancy tests to everybody, all, all women above 10. Well, you know, a 10-year-old girl is not a woman. But apparently some of these animals that are coming up from there uh, don't care. And is this a problem? You know what stops these people from from having families and having all these people make the make these journeys? You know what so- stops that? A wall, because you know what they only they're only making this journey across Mexico and up from Honduras and Guatemala and El Salvador because there's open borders. So they have a reasonable reasonable assumption they're going to make it through. If you remember when. Uh, um, Jim, what's it? Jim Acosta did his little report on the on the border. He's he's reporting where there's the exact steel slat uh, type of wall that Trump want that Trump's uh, building, and he goes, look, there's no look. Here I am at the wall, and there's 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 no uh, emergency here. Guess what? Because nobody's coming there because they know they can't get through. Duh. Build the wall. These people will stop making that trek, putting these 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 kids in harm's way. If you're so concerned about them, do the right thing. Build the wall. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Senate Judiciary Committee also held a hearing on Wednesday regarding the border crisis, where Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham pointed out the two glaring loopholes in the U.S. immigration laws that are responsible for the surge of unaccompanied minors and families across the southern border. The first is the Flores Act, and the second is the Trafficking Victims Protection Reauthorization Act. Who thinks of these names? So as as Lindsey Graham pointed out, the Flores Act requires children or family units to to be released after 20 days in custody. Hey, we pick them up, we gotta release them. And the and the uh, Trafficking Victims Protection Reauthorization Act, so I can remind you what TVPRA uh, stands for, requires unaccompanied alien children from non-contigu- non-contiguous countries, meaning they're not connected uh, to the United States, to be released to health and human services care facilities instead of being sent back to their countries of origin. So that means that children from Mexico and Canada can be returned to their countries but the provision doesn't apply to Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, because they're not adjacent to the United States. And where are the migrant caravans coming from right now? Those exact countries. So we can't. So we can't put them up. We can't send them back to their countries. So we have to release them to Health and Human Sur- Sur- Department of HHS care facilities. So in the hearing, Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Kevin McAlinen. McAlinen. Okay, that's how how it looks like it's spelled. He said that 63% of the illegal border crossings would be addressed just by changing those two laws. Here's the Lindsey Graham questioning. If we built barriers where barriers make sense, that would help. Certainly. If we change the laws that create this problem, that would help most of all. Dramatically. Okay. And we could possibly lower the cost of detention by doing some of the things that Senator Durbin said. Agree as well. Doing nothing is not working. Do you agree with that? Yes. 
So Durbin's proposal that he's referring to that what Dick Durbin said, what he referred to putting ankle bracelets on the migrants once they're processed. So, hey, you know what? Hey, we're releasing you, but you've got to come back for your hearing. And then only 2% of them return uh, putting an ankle bracelet so they could be tracked down. Um, of course, they'd probably find ways to cut them off, but um, I would assume that sends some kind of a signal. Um, or they're really hard to cut off. So, because uh, that's what they do with people that are on uh, uh, home arrest. So, summing up the idea that calling this a manufactured cr- crisis is preposterous, let's hear from Lindsey Graham one more time. About 45,000 bed spaces. We're on track to apprehend in 2019 640,000 illegal immigrants. Do the math. If you're an unaccompanied minor and you make it to America after 20 days, the Border Patrol hands you over to Labor HHS, and only 2% of unaccompanied minors ever go back to the country where they came from. So what does that mean? Hey, 640,000 coming in. Uh, the ones that come in from the other countries, we have to, we have to release after 20 days, or we can't, we can't, that the, the families go back to HH or get released in 20 days. And the, and the, and the unaccompanied minors that don't come from Mexico or Canada have to be released. We only have 45,000 beds, 640,000 people a, a year coming over. I don't know. It seems like a math problem. You know what I love about math? There's right. And there's not right. It's not a, it's not, well, you know, if you look at it this way, if you look at it this way, if you do, if you use the common core math and you do it with the, with the, uh, with the new kind of way of doing this thing, it might work. Uh, no, it won't. So this, this, so this isn't a national emergency at all to me. Bull. So anyway, so the Democrats, uh, the Democrats are just clueless. So I, I hate to just, just. In, just to blind, uh, blindly insult and uh, in a black blanket insult against Democrats. I had a had a text conversation this morning with my sister in Pennsylvania, my uh, my my Jewish uh, my Jewish Democrat sister. Um, she's the black sheep in the family um, that apparently had. Well, she's the only one that graduated college too, so maybe that's a clue. Maybe that's a clue, but I, I sent her a text. I said, hey, Renee, is is uh, is the Democrat Party? Are you are you turning on the Democrat Party yet? Have they become uh, anti-Jewish enough for you yet? And she said, uh, "Sorry, no." And then I said, "Well, how about uh, how about um, on their on their abortion issues? Are you uh, do you still consider uh, aborting a uh, killing a live a live uh, baby after it's been?" Uh, after it lives through an abortion, you still consider that a woman's choice? And she goes, well, no, but you know, it's, 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 it should be the woman's choice. The government shouldn't be involved in healthcare. And I'm going, shouldn't be involved in healthcare. Have you had to go to the doctor lately? Anybody tried to get appointment with their uh, primary care physician? Are you, are you able to get in really quick? Anybody try to get a, uh, I know I'm having, I'm having an issue where uh, I'm supposed to get an injection in 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 my back over uh, some uh, uh, pinched nerve thing, and uh, it took it took a week and a half to to request it from the insurance company because um, the doctors aren't making enough money to keep to keep staffed up as they're supposed to. And then when it went to went to uh, to Blue Cross, it took a, a week to say, hey, they want to talk to my doctor you know, uh, on the phone before they're going to make a decision. And I say, you know what, how about if I just pay cash? 
How if I just pay cash? You know, I'm really tired of paying for insurance and I just get so frustrated. I just pay cash. But how much is it? And she goes, well, you have insurance. I'm not allowed to give you a cash price. Well, wait a minute. I have insurance. I'm paying for it, but they're not approving it in a timely fashion. She goes, well, if it's an emergency, go to the, go to the, uh, emer- to, to urgent care. And I go, well, what do they do? Give me, give me pain pills. I can do that without them. So what, what's the issue? You know, oh, we're not allowed, we're not allowed to give you a cash price. Maybe we should just abolish healthcare, health insurance. But my sister says the, 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 uh, the, the government shouldn't be involved in healthcare. I would agree with that. But that's not having to do with changing laws about murdering babies. So anyway, everybody should just keep their eyes open. Think for yourself. Don't listen to the sound bites. And she goes, well, maybe I don't know all the details. Well, maybe you should pay attention then. Anyway, I'm all out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, and commercials and sports. And I'll be right back with part two. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. I don't talk about real estate financing or real estate on the radio too much on this show because uh, I think if you're not in the market for it, it just gets boring. And uh, But if you are in the market for it, the right person to deal with is someone who thinks like you. And if if listening to me week after week, you say, "Hey, I'm on, I'm on this of the same mindset as Ed Hoffman." When it's time to get, when it's time to get a uh, a new house, you need financing. When it's time to refinance the house you have, or it's time to get a reverse mortgage, call me. I'll deal straight with you. 855-640-2020. Uh, or go to wccloans.com, and uh, I will help you along the way, finding your way through the. The dark tunnel of what should I do? Anyway, so all, all's good. So uh, in the first half of this show, we talked about uh, the um, the the lost journey that the Democrats are on to try and prove that we don't have a uh, a crisis at the at the southern border, and that the national emergency that President Trump has called in order to to um, build the wall that we have needed for decades. Um, that the the that it's a fallacy. It's a fallacy that the Democrats say, well, it's not a, not a national emergency. So, uh, but we got some other problems. We got some other problems going on in Congress. It's been another week from the most diverse freshman class in U S Congress history, causing, causing major problems for the democratic party. Last week, the repeat offender who was Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. This time it's Elon Omar of Minnesota. I wonder which one of the two it's going to be next week. Of course, there's more than two, but I'll get into that in a few minutes. The same woman who tweeted, may Allah awaken the world of the civ- of the evil deeds of Israel and goes around saying that Jewish lobbyists pay members of Congress to be pro-Israel is once again using anti-Semitic, that's, that's uh, anti-Jewish language. And you know what? I just assume that there are people out there that hear anti-Semitic and they hear it all the time on the radio, hear it all the time on TV. And unless we just say, hey, that means they don't like Jewish people. It's anti, anti-Jewish anti people that some people aren't understanding. And I know sometimes I'm in a mortgage bankers thing and I'm listening and I'm listening to some of this stuff and they're using uh, acronyms. And sometimes I go, hmm, what does that mean? 
I have to I have to think about it and listen to it in context. And I'm not paying attention to the next two sentences because I'm having to think about that. So anyway, that's why I keep saying, hey, anti-Semitic is anti-Jewish. Um, so anyway, um, so the same woman, uh, once again, using anti-Semitic language in public at official appearances as a member of the House of Representatives. While sitting on a panel with, with uh, Representative Rashida Tlaib, who, like Omar, is a Muslim member of, of the freshman class, she demonstrated she has zero remorse for her statements from last month with this anti-Semitic trope. And when you talk about the political influence in this country that says it is okay for people to push for allegiance to a foreign country. Woo! I want to ask, why is it okay for me to talk about the influence of the NRA of fossil fuel industries or big pharma and not talk about a powerful lobbying group that is influencing policy. Yeah, that powerful lobby that's influencing policy because we support Israel because they're the one they're the one free free country, uh, freedom of religion, capitalist in the Middle East. One little tiny house of house of of people that that love life wrapped around uh, a whole whole giant state of people that love death more than they love life. So why do we support them? Uh, I don't know. We've supported them forever because they support us as well. They support our interests there. We support we and we support them because they're kind of you know it's you know uh, we're the we're the sheep dogs out there. We're the we're the sheep dogs. You know they're if you remember the movie uh, uh, American Sniper, how uh, Chris Kyle's dad tells him when he's when he's little, hey, there's three kinds of people. There's sheep, there's wolves, and there's sheep dogs. And sheep are people we have to protect. We're the sheepdogs, and we need to protect them from the wolves. Okay, and that's essentially that's essentially what we're doing. We're being sheepdogs, and we're protecting we're protecting our own. We're protecting our own interest over there. In his weekly press conference, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell addressed his thoughts without naming Omar specifically. This is a good time for America to think again about anti-Semitism. It seems to be more fashionable in Europe. It seems to be more fashionable in this country, regretfully, among at least some members of the uh, new class in the House. We need to stand up to it in every way we possibly can. Hakeem Jeffries, Democrat from New York, leader of the House Democratic Caucus, was asked to respond to McConnell, and his answer was typical Republicans need to look in the mirror deflection. There's not a rise of anti-Semitism in the House of Representatives. There's a rise of anti-Semitic behavior and activity and violence in the country. And it's irresponsible for Mitch McConnell to try to politicize this issue. And when has he ever said anything about the hateful remarks that continue to flow out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. So we're not going to be lectured by Mitch McConnell on anything. No, it's not a, Hey, let's, let's, let's use a quote from, uh, from Michael Cohen. Well, you know, I lied, but I'm not a liar. No, there's a, there we're, we're talking anti-Semitic remarks, but we're not anti-Semites. We don't hate Jews. Uh, we just say we just say hateful things about Jews, and we categorize them all into one. We're not allowed to to point at Muslim people because because the fact that 
Um, not all Muslims, not all Muslims are terrorists, although all terrorists happen to be Muslims. So we're not allowed to, to, to point at them for that, but they are, we're not allowed to say, Hey, the Democrats are saying this, saying this, there's some activity there, but it doesn't mean that it's, uh, that there's some anti-Semitic, uh, behavior in the country, but, uh, you know, there's not, but we're not anti-Semites. We're, you know, it's, you know, it, the Democrats think as long as Trump is in the white house, Nothing else. Nothing else is a problem. Hey, you know what? You just bumped into my car. Well, you know, let, let me point out that there's a guy in the White House who's uh, who uh, who's got a comb over. Well, you know, hey, you know, you just uh, you just uh, ran over my dog. Oh, yeah, but did you notice that we got a guy in the White House who's a racist? Uh, yeah. So it's it's stupid. It's stupid, and if you don't pay attention to this, and most people in this country don't pay attention, so they hear little sound bites and they don't connect the dots. But if you actually pay attention, pay attention to this stuff, you see the pattern. It's just, they're all being coached to do this. Stupid. It's just stupid. But the best defense of Elon Omar this week came from her boss, Speaker uh, Nancy Pelosi. I don't know if that calls her her boss, her team captain. In her weekly press conference Thursday, Nancy Pelosi decided that she didn't know better would somehow fly as uh, an excuse for Omar, despite the fact that she has repeatedly been told by the Democrat leaders to knock these comments off. Here's Nancy Pelosi. One resolution addressing these these forms of hatred, not mentioning her name because it's not about her. I do not believe that she understood the full weight of the words. I feel confident that her words were not based on any anti-Semitic attitude, but that she didn't have a full appreciation of how they landed on other people where this these words have a history and a cultural impact that might have been unknown to her hello she's muslim she didn't know the impact of of her comments she that's her culture that's her culture i mean the the basis of the muslim muslim religion is is hate jews hate everybody who's who's not muslim and uh and it go and it gets gets worse than that but i won't go into that today but you know oh she didn't know she didn't know amazing so the resolution nancy's referring to is one that was originally supposed to mention omar by by name but of course the final version didn't it was also supposed to supposed to exclusively condemn anti-Semitism by members of Congress, but of course that's not what the final version voted on that they voted on Thursday. What the final re- what was the final resolution? A broader anti-hate measure that condemns both anti-Semitic language and anti-Muslim language, even though not a single member of Congress has said anything remotely anti-Muslim in years. So, so just to point out some things that you probably probably don't realize. As of 2018, there's just not two Muslim people in Congress. There's two two freshman Muslim Muslim Congress people, uh, uh, Rashida Tlaib and Elon Omar. But um, but here's a here's a list of the people that were uh, elected or reelected in 2018. Rashida Tlaib, uh, 13th district in uh, in Michigan. She's the one that called uh, the president an mf'er. Um, while she's, while she's a, a president, you got Elon Omar, who we just talked about. Um, Keith Ellison, the Minnesota attorney general accused of domestic abuse, sexual assault and battery by his ex-girlfriend media has tried to keep this on the down low. So no one's talking about it. Uh, Andre Carson, 
Democrat 7th, 7th Congressional District. He's been on CNN defending Omar's remarks. Then at, a, at the state level and all 50 states, not just California, there's 13 Muslims elected or reelected in the midterms. So it's... <clears throat> It's creeping up on us, folks. And you know what? The reason that we don't want that we want to control people that are coming into this country is because they come from a different culture. They come from a culture that that doesn't see life the way we see it. It doesn't see right and wrong the way we see it. If you've been, and I can remember my first trip down to uh, to Mexico, we did one of those uh, three day uh, booze cruises. Uh, I mean, we went on a three day weekend relaxing cruise that happens to spend the day in Ensenada. <clears throat> Um, we wandered into a place called uh, Papa's and Beer, and what I saw, I just, I was flabbergasted the first time. This stuff is legal. I just, you know, the, I mean, it, it's it's boozy and fun and and all that stuff, but I can't believe this stuff is legal, and uh, and it, it's okay. It's a different culture down there. Hey, you know, and if that's and if that's okay down there, I guess it's okay. But just beware when you go down there, it's a different culture. People don't see right and wrong the same way we see right and wrongs. And they come from other cultures. We don't want them here. That's my opinion. Anyway, so let's continue. So uh, let's talk about the uh, <clears throat> Democratic uh, presidential candidates. Uh, they keep expanding, but one name that won't be in the mix, thank God, is 2016 nominee Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Clinton confirmed she will not run when speaking to a local New York City TV news station Monday. I'm not running, but I'm going to keep uh, working and speaking and standing up for what I believe. I want to be sure that people understand I'm going to keep speaking out. I'm not going anywhere. But that's not the dumbest thing Hillary said this week. No, that honor goes to her speech in Selma, Alabama this week, a city well known for its history and civil rights movement, and far be it from Hillary not to capitalize on that history. Remember her I Ain't No Ways Tired poem for, from a few years back? Hillary managed to top that with her speech in Selma this week, as if attempting that insulting African-American accent she uh, she does wasn't bad enough. Hillary also claimed that she lost the election because she wasn't protected by the Voting Rights Act or something. I was the first person who ran for president without the protection of the Voting Rights Act. And I will tell you, it makes a really big difference. It made a difference in Wisconsin where the best studies that have been done said somewhere between 40 and 80,000 people were turned away from the polls because of the color of their skin, because of their age, because of whatever excuse could be made up to stop a fellow American citizen from voting. Oh, my God. The, the length that we'll go to to stop an another American citizen from voting. Well, how about how about some people that aren't American citizens? Maybe it's designed to keep American citizens, that, uh, people that aren't American citizens, from voting. Maybe that's it. Because uh, I don't know what, what happened in Wisconsin. I don't know if they have, uh, I, don't, I didn't check to see if they have voter ID laws. But, you know, where did she get those numbers? They were turned away because of the color of their skin. Says who? Oh, for their age. Guess what? If you're not 18, you don't get to vote. I know that the the climate change Green New Deal people said that they're that uh, they were the ones who elected uh, Diane Feinstein, but you know they were like eight, ten. One of them was sixteen. Well, guess you didn't you didn't vote for her. 
So what was it? Was the color of their skin? It was their age? Or uh, what was the other thing she said? I don't remember. But you know what? We're trying. We're trying. We're gonna do whatever we can to keep another American citizen from voting. I think. I think, and I've said this before. I think we should have an IQ test. If you can't spell USA, if you can't say how many, if you can't answer how many states there are in the in the in the United States, if you can't spell FHA, if you don't know who the first president was. That probably eliminate, if you can't answer those four questions, you could probably eliminate 75% of the voters. I think on the, on the, uh, on the propositions, we should have, uh, workshops where you have bipartisan people, uh, discussing the propositions. And if you don't attend one of those, you don't get to vote. We don't, we won't have people voting, voting to keep a gas tax because they think because they think for somehow it's that we're going to have potholes in our road if we don't, you know, and, uh, you know, they, they don't realize, they don't realize the, how these things are worded and all they do is listen to the commercials and, and who's paying for those commercials. Yeah, they announce it, but people don't understand that I've been doing for the past uh, several elections. There's a couple we missed, but uh, the past several elections for at least the last 16 years, we would have a meeting and I, and we did it this past right before the election where I'll say, Hey, anybody who wants to discuss the, uh, the uh, propositions, we're going to have a meeting on six 30 on such and such night a week before the election. And let's discuss them. And I read up on them and we invite a bunch of other people and we have an open discussion about what these things mean. And this, and we don't come to a conclusion. Hey, this is what is, this is what I think. And somebody says, well, this is what I think. And, and I've had my opinion change in those meetings, but we have a discussion about what it is. It's not just listening to what the commercial says. And I think these things should be organized. And if you don't attend one, you don't get to vote on the propositions. So that's my opinion. Um, where did I leave off here? So, uh, so who's left in the race? Who's left to get in the race? Not so fast. Joe Biden. A CNN focus group this week proved that Democrats may not not be as eager to see the former vice president run for president again as we've been led to believe. How many of you would like to see Joe Biden get in? Show of hands. Mm. What's happening, Russell? <laughs> oh, His so, time is done. I'll be honest. I used to think like, you know, because obviously he was riding like kind of the Obama wave and I thought he was the I thought he was the person that would unite the party. But to be honest, you know, Senator Biden really comes from the kind of the good old boy politics of the past. Yeah. So does that mean he's old? Um, Biden would be, I think he's 77 now. So he'd be almost 80 uh, if he took office. I think he's the same age as Bernie Sanders. And did you hear some of the stuff Bernie Sanders was saying this week? He wants to reduce all the student loans. He wants to reduce all this, he, he wants to take all these people that can't buy a house, can't get married and have kids because they have too much debt from their student loans. Uh, I'm going to substantially reduce that. How are you going to do that? Who's going to pay that? Somebody paid it out. And, uh, you know, it is, as long as, as long as there's easy financing available, say, you, you know how to get the price of, of college to go down, get rid of guaranteed student loans. Because I can tell you if we, I don't know if this, uh, if this data is out there, but I'll, I'll, uh, look into it. 
uh, after this because I just thought of this while I'm talking. I'm I'm way I'm way off my script. Um, I'd like to see some numbers that say of all the people with student loans, how many people got their student loans up, signed up for signed up to go to college? They signed up for the semester, got a student loan, and then didn't complete that semester. They didn't even go to school. They just got a guaranteed student loan. Hey, you need to borrow some money? Go down to Riverside City College or go down to LA City College or go down to wherever and sign up for classes. Then here, you got a class schedule, fill out a guaranteed student loan, and you get somewhere between uh, 2500 and who knows how much money, and you get a student loan, and then the next semester, you go do the same thing again. Guaranteed by the federal government. You know who that means? Guaranteed by the taxpayers. They don't even finish. And how many people have student loans for degrees that don't that that don't enable you to support yourself? But Bernie Sanders is calling the people the victims. Hey, you're the victims. BS. You just you just open up a uh, you just open up a, a little uh, lemonade stand. It says, hey, buy a ten cent lemonade and you get and you get a twenty five hundred dollar loan. And you don't have to pay it back. Till you graduate. Of course, if you never go to classes, you don't, don't ever graduate. So I guess you never have to pay it back until you go to buy a house and you want an FHA loan and uh, you have problems then. So anyway, let's continue. Uh, on Wednesday, the DNC chairman Tom Perez announced that Democrat Party would not allow Fox News to host primary debates, claiming they would not be fair and neutral. They would not be fair and neutral forums for the candidates. What he said was, I believe that a key pathway to victory is to continue to expand our electorate and reach all the voters, Perez said in a statement. That is why I've made it a priority to talk to a broad array of potential media partners, including Fox News. Recent reporting in The New Yorker on the inappropriate relationship between President Trump, his administration and Fox News has led me to conclude that the network is not a position, not in a position to host a fair and neutral debate for our candidates. Therefore, Fox News will not serve as a media partner for the 2020 Democratic primary. So uh, keep in mind that any debates on Fox would be moderated by three actual news anchors, not commentators. So you got different people on. So when you watch Fox News, uh, just like if you watch, you know, if you watch in prime time, you know, six o'clock till nine o'clock at night here on the on the West Coast, you know, that's uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, Sean Hannity. Uh, Laura Ingram and Shannon Bream. They are my, they're, they're commentators. Okay. The anchors, the anchors, Chris Wallace, Brett Baer, Martha McCallum, they're, they're journalists. They're, they're news anchors. They report the news fair and balanced. We report, you decide it's different. All the anchors from the news division who have been praised for handling their past debates in 2016, Chris Wallace, who incidentally is a Democrat, um, and uh, he moderated a presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And the network has urged the DNC to reassess the situation. Well, I should be in, uh, but not for the Democrats, apparently. No, I think it's a mistake. And, and I think for a couple of reasons. First of all, because, you know, you think back to 2016. Where did the Republicans do debates? Yes, they did debates on Fox. They also did debates on MSNBC, on CNBC, on CNN. And, you know, it was like Willie Sutton. Why did he rob banks? That's where the money was. Why should why do politicians go on every cable channel or news channel they can? And especially the one that has the biggest audience uh, of all, because that's where the voters are. And if they 
you know, there are going to be a lot of people that would watch a Fox debate. You know how many people we had for the first Republican debate in 2015, the famous Cleveland debate? We had 24 million people. It's the biggest cable news audience in history. So the idea that you're going to sit there and cut yourself off from that. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, you know what? You know, that's where you want to have, have debates is where people are going to see it. If if the DNC wants to have a chance of, of turning conservative voters to voting for their candidate, why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they put it on Fox? Fox is, and if you, and if you watch Fox, you watch CNN, you watch PMS, NBC, um, you see a very different slant. And I watch, and I watch Fox most of the time. And, and, and it kind of bothers me that they're so fair and balanced because they put Democrats on there to give the, the other side of it. And, uh, and sometimes, and sometimes Don goes, Hey, you know, I wish that, why do they put those people on? They put them on so that you can see both sides and you can, you can make a decision. And, but it, and it angers me as well because it just, some of them are just off the hook and, uh, over, over the, over the cliff liberal and just don't see things clearly. But if you go to CNN, the communist news network or PMS, NBC, you see, you see one slant. You rarely ever have a conservative on there. They have a way different opinion of you. I'm looking at, I'm looking at a picture and I see, I see a lady and they look at a picture and they see a guy playing with his dog and you know, Hey, it's the same picture. How are you seeing that? I don't understand how, how people can see the same thing and interpret something so different. And, but you know, every now and then I turn over there and I, and I watch just to, just to hear that side, but typically on Fox, you hear both. But, um, you know, if, if the Republicans, if the Republicans will do their, there's their debates on both sides. So we can turn some voters over. And quite frankly, if you saw Chris Wallace, he was not nice to our candidates. Anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. Thanks for listening. My name is Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. The views expressed on this program are of Ed Hoffman and his invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California.